Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every Sunday is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that can lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. My guest this morning is Gary Bagley. He's the executive director for New York Cares, which is a nonprofit organization that's known primarily for their annual coat drive. But as you'll find out this morning, they do so much more. So if you're preparing a nice Sunday breakfast or chilling on a Sunday morning, maybe you're preparing for that virtual sunrise service or it's chilly, but you might be ready to hit the road for an early run. Please remember your mask and social distancing. And as always, we thank you for making us a part of your morning. We'll talk New York cares when New York sports and beyond returns on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to New York sports and beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Well, Gary Bagley is the executive director of New York cares, which is New York city's largest provider of volunteer led social service programs and the biggest affiliate of points of light. That's the global organization dedicated to volunteer service. He also serves on the board of directors of points of light and the New York state commission on national and community service. Now, Gary led New York cares in garnering the New York times company nonprofit excellence award for overall management excellence and the Peter F. Drucker award for nonprofit innovation. He also, co-authored the volunteer engagement and management chapter in the new edition of the textbook nonprofit management 101 his previous experiences include positions at organizations focused on the arts of education like young audience new york's and ta-da youth theater Bagley has also served as an adjunct lecturer at Baruch College on the administration of nonprofit institutions and public and nonprofit management and he received his bs in Planned Studies, Music Composition from Ithaca College, and an MPA from Baruch College. Impressive. Join me in welcoming Gary Bagley to New York Sports and Beyond. Hey, Gary. Hey, it's great to talk to you again. Gary, thanks for giving us a couple of minutes on this Sunday morning. You know, it, it's so interesting. When we think of New York Cares, we, you guys did a great marketing job. We think of the Statue of Liberty freezing. But New York Cares is more than that, Gary. So let's go back to the beginning. Take me... Take me back to the beginning of New York Cares. How long have you guys been in existence? Well, we've been in existence since 1987, so 33 years now. Uh, and, you know, many of the New Yorkers, by the way, do know us for the Coat Drive, which is in its 32nd season. So it was one of our very early programs. But most of New York Cares' work centers around our founding, which is people in New York City were looking for a way to volunteer. And when they tried, there were some real challenges to accessing high-quality programs. And they knew there was great need. They were reading the papers. They were living in New York City, and they, and they really, really wanted to help. And so they founded New York Cares, and our job is to make sure that the nonprofits, public schools, homeless shelters of New York City have vibrant volunteer programming, and that for those New Yorkers who want to help, that we make accessing those impactful programs as easy as possible. So our volunteers go to about a 30-minute orientation, which now, by the way, is fully self-directed, so you can do that on your laptop or your phone from home. Um, they then have access to anywhere between 800 and 1,600 projects a month, depending on the time of year, and of course, COVID-19 has affected the number of programming programs that we can offer safely. Uh, but after that, we take over. And, uh, you know, one of the nicest things about our programming is it's really built, built on community leadership. Every project is led by a volunteer 
We call them our volunteer team leaders. And when a team shows up to volunteer, whether that's tutoring kids for their uh, college access tests, whether it is serving a meal, uh, whether it's a recreational trip, our New York Cares team leader organizes the team, works with our community partner, coordinates directly with our very talented staff um, who organize all of our programs, and they make it happen. And there's about 1,300 of those folks, and they're real, really, truly community leaders. So it's an exciting model. It's grown um, over the years. On an average year now, we'll engage about 50,000 volunteers. They will fill over 150,000 volunteer positions around the city. So uh, it's a really wonderful thing to be a part of. Now, Gary, um, how... How has the need grown from the time you guys started in 1987 to now? You would think that in an ideal world that things would have improved and maybe things would be a little bit better, but that may not be the case, right? It's absolutely not the case. Uh, you know, one thing that's so interesting uh, it, uh, as we do our work is that, and I think we're all experiencing this now, is, is there are problems that persist whatever solutions we've tried um, are not the ones that are working, right? So where we've maybe been able to beautify uh, the physical landscape of the city, make our parks uh, more accessible, they're still not accessible enough, for instance. Although we've been able to make some strides um, in getting better food to the people who are hungry, there still is a persistent need in people who are hungry. Homelessness uh, continues to uh, be a huge struggle for the city. Uh, we have, on average, 60,000 people spending each night in a, in a homeless shelter um, or in transitional housing. Uh, still over 23,000 of those people are children. And so as we face those kind of challenges, um, we first have to be more creative because we haven't been solving them. Um, we also have to thank each of us as, you know, as people who, who live in New York City and live in the United States, what we can do um, to help with our time. Um, many people also then help uh, by, with their money by making generous donations, but then also thinking about the system itself. How, how do we want to participate in in changing it or improving it um, so that people get out of poverty faster, that they stay out, which of course is, is one of the bigger issues um, that, that we face, and, and therefore really build a city that everybody uh, in New York would like to call home. You know, Gary, that's an interesting challenge because you're so driven to help deal with the issue that you don't really have time to figure out a way to solve the issue, right? Because it's really, I guess, a it's an economic situation. It and it's there's so many groups that maybe a summit of all the groups coming together could put forth uh, a recommendation to those in office. Because you guys are on the front line, which is a which is a term that because of COVID nineteen, Gary, we're using more and more. Obviously, because we're we it's not just limited to what our you know, medical workers are doing in hospital and fire and so on and so forth. There are people who, much like yourself with New York Cares, who are out there dealing with these people every day. 
Every single day. And our volunteers now, we have about 1,800 800 projects every month right now that are focused on providing food to the hungry. And first, that's double what we did a year ago. Um, It is also um, the amount of food that is necessary uh, is is greatly increased. In a typical six-month period last year, uh, we would deliver about two million meals. In the first six months of the pandemic, um, that number was 22 million. And now, just a couple of months later, we're at 29 million. So Mm -hmm. the folks who are serving those meals, who are delivering them, some are going door-to-door making, you know, safe drop-offs at the homes and apartments of seniors. Uh, these folks have, have agreed to be on the front lines, as you said, where, you know, everything we do is social distance, um, you know, proper PPE and sanitizers. But people are still, you know, whether they're hopping on their bike, getting on the subway or driving, they're willing to show up in person um, to try to make this time a bit easier for uh, New Yorkers who are struggling. Gary Bagley is my guest. He's the executive director for New York Cares. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. You know, hundreds and hundreds of volunteers are involved with New York Cares. So the question for Gary Bagley, what makes a really good volunteer? That's next on New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. Gary, we kind of talked a little bit about you in the open for your introduction, but I'm curious, how has your love for volunteer work impassioned you to reach out and join New York Cares and be that marriage of what they're trying to do? You know, way back when I first saw New York Cares and that I saw that there was a job there, I'd already been a very dedicated volunteer. And I remember being excited to think that I could also uh, make my living um, helping others to volunteer was something I, I honestly had never imagined. Um, I had gone and always volunteered directly through certain agencies, and I, I knew that there was always somebody there who helped me find that volunteer opportunity, but I, I honestly had had not pursued it. Um, I had a background working with education nonprofits, uh, and part of what had happened when I was doing that work was I saw a couple of things. One was just how much um, a child needs to succeed in, um, you know, as they as they enter adulthood, all of us, and that uh, no matter how well resourced the the system may feel, that the presence of caring adults, um, both from inside the community and from outside the community, are supports that that a child needs. So I had always been a volunteer. Um, I had always, you know, very much believed in in participating in the civic life uh, of of the U.S. because, um, you know, I am a person who's been blessed to take um, advantage of a lot of opportunities that came my way. Uh, And so something I've always wanted to offer others. So when I found my way to New York Cares, um, I was able to put my background in education, my project management skills, and turn them to something I really, really love, which is, as you said, is the spirit of volunteerism. You know, every day at New York Cares, we get stories that make me 
fall more in love uh, mm. with what volunteering can do. Um, we have volunteers who, you know, have needed to be the recipient of services at points in their life and then uh, take that energy and give back, right, when the time um, when the time comes that they feel feel able. I think some people work through their issues by also being of service to others, right? Because we all feel we all feel more effective, uh, more connected uh, when we give back. And the research is really clear on that. So you know, if, when I hear about the kind of numbers of people who show up, when I am so inspired by people who, you know, right away at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, in the first month, we had 13,000 people sign up saying, I want more information. I want to help. So um, it, it always encourages me that in the face of challenges, there's a group of people who take a step forward, take a step toward the problem and say, I, I want to help in whatever way I can be most helpful. So it continues to just inspire me every day. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lucky position to sit in to see the best in people as they as they try to make the world a better place. Yeah, there's no question about it. It's got to be rewarding. And before we talk more about what exactly you've got going on with the co-drive and some of the other programs, you're the per perfect person to ask. What makes a good volunteer, <laughs> Gary? When when you go through the training and you talk to folks, some people may have the idea that they want to do something, they're not really sure. And then obviously some people may be a little more better at it than other people. So what makes a good volunteer? A good volunteer is first and foremost, passionate and committed. <clears throat> After that, and this is always funny because I always say it can be a hard thing to balance. A good volunteer is flexible, mm. right? Because when we show up to help, right? First, the client we're helping may may need something a little different than what we that day than what we thought we were showing up to be. Um, the soup kitchen might there might be a disruption. They might need to reorganize the operation because of the weather or certain client needs. If you're working with people in a, in transitional housing, their lives are already disrupted. So as clear as your passion is, I always say make sure the number one passion is to be of service and then be flexible in how you go about that. I also often compare volunteering to a job search, mm. right? You may want to work somewhere, but it doesn't mean that they necessarily need the kind of work you want to offer. It also doesn't mean that when you start at that company, you won't find your way to an even better job within the company and that we should eat, use our job also as a learning experience, right? Volunteering when we keep our eyes open also really gives us a sense of um, how the issues that we all read about in the paper, right? We read about, you know, homelessness and hunger, and we read about all of these, but then we, we actually get a, a hands-on, you know, boots on the ground, if you will, experience of, of what these things mean. So um, a good volunteer, you know, passionate, flexible, I always say eager to learn, because if you're eager to learn, you will learn a lot through the experience, both about yourself and about the issues that you're that you're working in. Gary, let's turn our attention to what you guys do now with New York, some of the things you guys do with New York Cares, and obviously... <laughs> 
the thing that, that most people realize, we kind of mentioned it earlier, is the, the coat drive. What what do you have cooking now for the 2020 coat drive? Because I think there's going to be even more people in need, Gary, than you've had even last year or maybe the last couple of years. Absolutely. The coat drive, we started thinking about the coat drive in June mm-hmm. because we knew in the face of COVID-19, a lot of the places where we typically collect coats, for instance, companies, um, are not are, are not back in the office yet. So we knew there was going to be a huge source of coats that we typically get um, that we simply wouldn't have access to. Um, a few years ago, we started launching a, a second program about the coat drive that really helped us boost our numbers higher. Um, and in-house, we call that cash for coats. Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone donates just $20 to New York Cares, uh, they can, um, we can, we can actually purchase a brand new coat. Um, and we are able to manage that through, um, uh, you know, through wholesalers. Um, we're able to buy in the summer when the prices are very low. And so we decided first and foremost that we would really focus our energy on funding the coat drive to make sure that we could get as many donations as possible and get as many new coats out as possible. So first, that effort has already begun, and it's done very, very well. Um, We're already um, at a point where we've been able to purchase almost 50,000 coats, which is amazing. And there's still time left in the season. So someone can help us out by just texting the word COAT to 474747 or visiting our website, newyorkcares.org. And when we went out to our groups, knowing that many of them wouldn't be able to collect, we asked them if they'd be open to uh, hosting a fundraiser. In other words, instead of asking everybody in the office to bring a coat in, would you ask them to help us with the purchase of a coat? And so we're seeing those numbers go way, way up. Um, but again, we still are asking people to please um, donate because we'd love to get to 100,000 coats if at all possible. Now, some people are still very interested in donating a coat, even if there might not be a lot of big group collections. So we're also working, and this this um, functionality is going up on our website now, where if you do have a coat to donate, our team is finding local nonprofits that are willing to accept the coat um, it, during this time or, or a number of coats. And we have some protocols in place to ensure Um, that the coats that you drop off are safe, right? We ask that they be laundered. Um, We ask that they be boxed. Mm -hmm. And then if the, when the box is sealed after 72 hours, the COVID virus, if it did exist, um, will, will no longer uh, uh, be there. And so uh, we're just starting that. And so we're hoping that between the two initiatives, the purchase, and then, as I always say, sort of the direct-to-consumer approach that we'll be able to, um, that we'll really be able to ensure um, that um, as many New Yorkers as possible get a, a new coat or a gently used one this season. So, Gary, you kind of hinted there, but it, it, Obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected 
New York cares from the ability to get coached the way you normally do just from I'm sure to being able to have some of the programs that you have you've now had to go into I would think a virtual uh, a virtual world like the rest of us right exactly well right from day one New York cares um, has an agreement with New York City emergency management um, and NYC service which is the mayor's volunteer initiative that in the event of an emergency, we become the place that the city directs spontaneous volunteers to come. And those are, in, in our case this year, those nice 13,000 people who show up and said, I want to help. Mm-hmm. Right? And often people show up to help before you know how they can be helpful, especially if, if the emergency is something like a hurricane or a tornado, right? So... We went active right away, and early on, we made a very uh, clear distinction and said that the one thing that we did, the one program that we had to be in person and that could be done safely um, was the meal service and meal delivery. I'm so really deeply proud of the team, so committed. Um, Folks on our team reached out to over 500 organizations that serve the hungry across New York City said, do you need help? Um, Would having volunteers enable you to keep your operation running or to reopen it? Um, Because the system was hugely disrupted, right? If somebody was over 50, they were being told not to volunteer. That took Mm -hmm. a huge number of volunteers out of the pool. Companies who would normally send volunteer groups, say, to soup kitchens to do a shift, they were all now working remotely. Right? So the, the food system was remarkably disrupted. The other thing that we knew right away working with the city is that there's a huge concern for mental health. Um, in populations that were isolated in advance of COVID-19 um, would be even more isolated. So mental health issues that existed would be exacerbated. And of course, very worried, the elderly, uh, veterans who might be um, isolated, all the families living in transitional housing, how could we get that support out? So um, team and New York Cares launched a phone banking system that enables a volunteer safely to check in with clients uh, across the city. So it's a system that masks phone numbers from each other. So, you know, a client would know they're getting a call from New York Cares, but they they wouldn't see your cell phone number and you wouldn't see their cell phone number or their home number. So we had to set that whole system up, working with different city agencies to make sure volunteers had appropriate training, that there was a script to follow when we would do wellness checks so that they could listen for flags that that somebody might need additional services, right? Mm -hmm. Finding out maybe that somebody hadn't gotten a meal delivered, that um, they're struggling a lot, that family members haven't been able to be in touch with them, those kind of things. So that work has been remarkably rewarding, and it's something volunteers can also do from home um, during this time. And so far, our team has made 60,000 calls, our team of volunteers, uh, and those are to the elderly. Um, we've done tech support calls to families uh, in transitional housing to make sure students were able to learn remotely. Um, we're now uh, through a program we call Mission Vet Check, 
Um, volunteers are reaching out to veterans. Um, again, wellness checks, socialization, making sure uh, people have a lot of contact with, with the outside world. Um, and then that there's also a caring person to listen if they think there might be a deeper issue so that we can refer people to get a, a, a check-in call from more from a social worker, somebody who can provide uh, services and make sure that somebody's connected. And then the last thing we've done, um, which was um, really challenging, um, was to launch more of our programming virtually. Um, our school partners, of course, we all watched as the New York City school system appropriately needed to shut down. Um, there were thousands of children who maybe were not able to learn remotely on day one, getting them up to access, et cetera. So it's been very hard to support our partners as they've worked just to, to make sure that they can, as I always say, get kids um, you know, virtually in the school building and in class and learning, making sure that they're keeping track of all their families. That being said, we've been able to do some good work, um, especially around reading, recreational activities, a lot of support programs for parents and caregivers of public school students. I think if anybody um, has managed having uh, to work from home while your child or children are learning remotely, you can imagine um, what that experience is, might, might be like, especially for the essential workers who need to go to work and the kids are at home learning and, and figuring out all of those supports. So um, we're trying to be there as much as possible to navigate those changes. Um, as as we, I'm sure everybody knows, reading the papers, the the school, um, what's going to happen in our public school, the news is changing by the day uh, as we work to ensure that students, teachers, staff are all safe. So that's a bit about what we've been doing. But it's, again, when you talk earlier about the power of volunteerism, it's an inspiration, right? Like if you had told me 10 months ago that our volunteers would have delivered 29 million meals, made 60,000 calls, started hundreds of virtual programming for students, people with disabilities, I, I, I wouldn't have even been able to imagine it. Um, but, you know, the Times called New York Cares to step up and be there. Uh, and, and our team really just rallied and said, like, our, our volunteers in New York Cares are here to uh, help New York City be the best it can be at any moment and whatever challenge it faces. You're hearing about the great work of New York Cares from their executive director, Gary Bagley. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. More with New York Sports and Beyond returns on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's conclude my discussion with Gary Bagley, executive director for New York Cares. Gary, I went on your website and uh, yeah. at newyorkcares.org, and I got to tell you, I'm just shocked at all the stuff you've got going on here. You've got pack and deliver <laughs> meals for seniors. You've got uh, yield yeah. for yams, which I love. Uh, you've got, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, distributing community, uh, de deliver meals to seniors, replenishing community pantries, beautifying parks. I mean, you guys are really busy. There's just so many things that New York Cares does. You're more than just the coat drive, which you're known for. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very funny. 
Uh, somebody said, if you visit our website, um, you no longer have any excuse for why you're not volunteering. <laughs> because we, we have so many options. Um, and, you know, we were originally designed by a group of volunteers. And so we've always thought about, you know, what is most needed, right, at any given moment, because that's our first responsibility, right? We meet pressing community needs. That's our mission. And so our job is to figure out what those are, to be flexible, adaptable, like in COVID-19, making sure that our programming was responding to the greatest need, but then to make sure for the volunteer that there isn't a barrier to accessing that, right? And the biggest barrier is that people can't find opportunities or when they find them, you know, the the project might not be well organized. So the organization's kind of grown to where it is by um, by really attending to the ability of, you know, the need to connect really directly with the people who want to help and to kind of take out as much friction as we could. I think one of the things we're really looking at now, and I think um, this will speak to, to just about any New Yorker and any volunteer, is part of what's unique about New York City is we're in this really, uh, sometimes the city feels big, but it's actually a rather small area, right? Mm -hmm. But we are more likely to volunteer in a neighborhood that we don't live in than we are in New York City to go around the corner and volunteer, right? It's the nature of the city. We, We think of it as one city. And now... With especially with sort of a new awareness of of sort of what the differences are right between us as New Yorkers, right? We want to be one New York City, and that means also for volunteers to, you know, as I always say, enter humbly and respectfully into a neighborhood to understand mm-hmm. the assets of the neighborhood, to really get to know the people, and to lift up the good work that's happening across the five boroughs. Every community wants to thrive, right? Everybody wants the best for their children and for the children in the neighborhood. And our job is to is to be there to lift up and support um, and help communities actual, actualize that. So uh, it's a very um, daunting but exciting time for the city. And, um, you know, we're also using the pandemic as an opportunity to really even have a greater, if you will, a more laser focus on those neighborhoods that most need us, mm-hmm. right? We all keep reading in the papers about the neighborhoods most affected by COVID-19. Um, we read, you know, we read about neighborhoods um, where, the, you know, children might be struggling to get up on grade level, where language barriers, whatever barriers there are, um, tell us that there's some additional support um, to be added to the good work that's already happening is what is most needed. So in the pandemic, we've also really used this as an opportunity to recenter our work um, in the South Bronx, Central Queens, and Eastern Brooklyn. We will always serve all five boroughs um, because that's that's who we are, and that's what we're here for, and that's our mission. But when a volunteer also wants to know, and a donor, everybody wants to know that they've had the greatest impact they could have. 
Right, and so it's also our responsibility, therefore, to direct services uh, really mindfully uh, where they will, you know, basically be the biggest leverage to help communities build and now in the face of COVID rebuild um, so that, again, just so that New York City can be a place where anybody who lives here uh, really has an, uh, an opportunity to thrive. No question about that. And Gary, let's talk. We've talked a lot about volunteering, but let's talk bottom line here. And that's about money. And COVID-19 obviously has affected your money. It's affected how you're able to raise money because you guys normally do marathons and different things like that and different events, galas. So you're not able to do that now. So let's talk about how people can contribute and support New York Cares. And you've got a number of different ways that that can happen. Yeah, there there are a number of ways, and I, and I would say our uh, our volunteers and our donors have really stepped up to be with us uh, in the early days of COVID nineteen. Some of our major donors just reached out and said, "I know you have no idea where you need this money yet, but I know you're going to need it." And they sent their donations, whether it was early. Um, some knew right away that they cared about hunger. They knew we'd be stepping up, and, and they made very generous donations. We had our gala last week, and it was a virtual experience, <clears throat> which I always say, you know, was very uh, destabilizing, you know, because I'm used to standing in a room with 500 people, and you're having a good time, and everybody's celebrating the good work you do. Uh, here I was standing in front of a, a blank screen talking to a camera, um, trusting that there were hundreds of people watching. And as it worked out, there were thousands of people watching. But our, but our gala actually um, delivered the same total as it did last year. So, you know, it, this has been a huge reminder to me that, you know, people who donate to an organization um, have grown to love its work. Um, and then the second and I think most important part is they've grown to trust that their dollars are being put to good use. Um, and just the same way a volunteer wants to know that that hour they gave you on Saturday made a difference, the person who writes you a $50 check, a $100 check, a $10,000 check, they, they want to know that that money mattered. Um, and so, so far... Um, New York Cares has been fortunate in that our donors have stepped up. I think, like everybody who has my kind of job in a nonprofit, we're all very concerned about what the economic environment will mean. Mm -hmm. Of course, when we have lengthy recessions, that affects people's ability to give. But, you know, right from day one, we said New York City is calling on us to step up. And this is not the moment for us to step back. We need to do everything we can. And therefore, we've gone out and we've, uh, I would say we've asked our donors to come together to hear what we're working on. Um, We've called them together more often. Um, Every one of those calls has generated more interest in the work we're doing, a real desire to invest in it. Um, and that's the energy we'll, we'll all need to get us through all of COVID-19. So, you know, can't, people weren't able to run the marathon, but actually one person uh, virtually uh, raised money for the marathon and said, I, I, you know, there is no marathon, but guess what? Uh, it's what I do every year, and I raise money for New York Cares, and, and they went about doing it. So people are being inventive 
and creative. Our, uh, a story I love, our rising leaders usually have, have an event. That's our junior board, our young professionals. Mm-hmm. And they're so wonderful. And they would do restaurant um, nights out pre-COVID called Cares Night Out. And a restaurant might say, okay, for everybody who comes and mentions New York Cares, we'll give 10%. Etc. to the good work. And it was always wonderful. So they came together and started Cares Night In. Um, in October, I think it was, we hosted um, a bartender online who gave a bartending class. And we had hundreds of people buy a ticket, learn a little bit about bartending, everybody sitting on Zoom in their own apartment. But, you know, it, it, this has also been a time for all of us where being inventive, creative, innovative, um, has served us really, really well. You know, that's great news to hear, Gary, because so often, as you can imagine, with this pandemic and the unquestioned and the questions surrounding economics, uh, that, that there are organizations that are struggling to maintain. But it's great to know that your supporters and your donors and your volunteers are doing the great work during this opportunity, during this time, to show the opportunity of what they feel about the organization. And Gary, that, that, that's just great news to hear that you are able to at least maintain the amount of, of um, availability to the programs that you have that people need now more than ever. So that's great news to hear. Great news. Uh, I, I won't lie to people and say I'm not worried, uh, you know, about donations. But every time I worry, um, you know, somebody gives me a nice pleasant surprise and i and i hear about a wonderful donation so i'm trying to balance my optimism with (laughs) some reality and saying we've got to work hard but you know people people who are generous remain generous if they are able so um uh, that's one of the things i've i've learned from both volunteers and donors Gary, that means that you're you're blessed with the work you're doing because, uh, you know, sometimes when you're looking for something and you, and you don't know where it's coming from, there's a blessing that's headed your way. That means that the great work needs to continue. Uh, before we close, I want to um, I want to once again to give the website and give the uh, text numbers if people wanted to donate a code or donate money for a code. Great. The website address is www.newyorkcares.org. You can make a donation to the organization or directly to the Coat Drive straight from the home page. You can also start a fundraising page if you want to Hmm. ask your friends to also support the Coat Drive, um, which is a a thing hundreds of people have done, and it's, it's exciting to watch. You can also text the word COAT to 47. Four seven, four seven. You'll get back a link, and as I say, you can add, click that link, and you can purchase one, five, ten, ten thousand coats if you are so moved, and we'd be incredibly grateful. Gary, thanks so much for the work that you and your volunteers are doing, and your whole staff at New York Cares. Um, it, it's it's just gratifying to know that for people who are struggling right now, they have an option, and so. So often, Gary, these folks don't realize they have options. They, they feel hopeless. So to know that they can reach out to New York Cares for coats, for, for food, for different options, it, it's a great thing. So yep. thank you for you and, and the, the staff of the work you're doing. Have a great holiday. And anytime you need to, to put the word out on something that's going on with New York Cares, you know where to find us.
Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much for helping share our message today. It means so much. That wraps up this edition of New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. We thank you for listening. We'll join you later today on The Drive following Dan Grass and the legendary Greg Buttle for the Jets postgame. And during the week on ESPN New York tonight and, of course, right back here next Sunday morning on New York Sports and Beyond. For my incredibly talented producer, all-world Mr. Ray Santiago, I'm Larry Hardesty. The fine line is next, followed by Anita Marks with Fantasy Focus. Then Anita joins Chris Canty and our GM, Mike Tannenbaum, on New York Game Day at 8 a.m. Yeah, it's a football Sunday on 98.7 ESPN, New York.